0: A drug dealer is murdered in her in her own apartment, but uh, she she wasn't killed over drugs. It was a pair of juvenile delinquents, and they're blaming each other for the attack. This is Twisted, a Loranor SVU podcast. You are now listening to Twisted, a Law & Order SVU podcast, where we recap and break down past episodes of Law & Order SVU. You can hear us out on Spotify, Anchor FM, WordPress, or or any other streaming service. And now, here's your host, Ryan Rose. Welcome, welcome to Twisted, Law and Order SVU podcast, where I recap episodes of the TV's most biggest hit, Law and Order SVU. You know, like Benson Stabler. Yeah, this is um Brian Rose, and how was your weekend? I know this is October already, so these gonna be changing, and people dress up in costumes like Power ranges and um, uh, would you say um. Porky Pig, Bugs Bunny, or um, which I don't know what other characters they got. Like Spider Man, Superman, stuff like that. Though, hmm. Anyway, now there there has been some controversy going on around here. So, have you watched um, um, the three hour Law and Order event? You know the you know the you know the three way crossover with um, the regular Law and Order, SVU, and Organized Crime. Well, it turns out well, they deleted a scene that featured like, um, with um, DADA, Carisi. He was concerned about Rollins and stuff like that, though. And I got to admit, though, I seen that scene. And then they told me what happens is they, that the, um, NBC, you know, peak in the streaming service, Peacock. I mean, they deleted that damn scene. man. I mean, in other words, they cut that scene off. And next you know, you have um, Carisi, he's coming on the crime scene after Rollins got shot, and he's worried about Rollins, and then Liv gives him a hug, and then Carisi says he was going to go to the hospital. I mean, he was worried sick, but when they showed it, when they we, we repeated it in the streaming stuff, service, they cut that scene off. Oh my goodness, that's like a slap in the face for Lisey, and it's like a slap in the face to Rollins and stuff like that, because you know the the Kelly, um, Giddish is leaving SVU, no actually she's being fired from SVU because they want to replace her with a younger actress, whatever I mean, well that's show business I missed some shit like that so and I think that wasn't fair, I mean, so, and then some of the fans they're crying foul or disorder because they had to delete, delete that scene because you see the Carisi was getting so emotional after he got word that Rollins got shot something like that on the, you know, during the third hour of the, um, the three-way crossover, so, I mean, they should have just, after my, my finger, they should have kept the scene, I got admit, though, I, I caught that scene before they had to cut that off, out, though, because I was watching uh, West Coast Feed on my smart TV, yeah, I got, yeah, I got Amazon Fire Stick, though, and I could get some, like, um... Local channels from the East Coast, West Coast, like a, like local channels from Canada, all, all that stuff. Because I, I got Amazon Fire Stick, so I caught that scene though. I mean, but when they repeated it again, I mean, they just cut that scene out, and then they said they want to do it for syndication purposes. But my take on it is that they shouldn't just kept that scene. I mean, I know y'all, y'all, y'all fans just like rolling over. um, Rollins, Rollins and Carisi, and all that stuff, and their relationship, and all that stuff. But, but that one, when, when they cut that scene, that was like a slap in the face for Rollins and stuff like that, because um they did they did her dirty, and they they should just kept that scene. Better yet, yeah, they should have kept Rollins on that show rather than firing her ass. Well, yeah, like I said, that's show business and shit like that, though. And speaking about SBU. Let's get into today's episode. All right, all right, all right. This is Law & Order SVU Season 4, Episode 9, Juvenile. It aired on NBC on November twenty second, 2002. All right? Now, we're outside this uh, apartment building. And you got the police SWAT team, they get the they get the okay to go and raid someone's apartment so it's it's, rain. it's pouring rain outside you got a sWAT team over there though, and the next thing you know is they go upstairs to this woman's apartment they break they bust down the door and they break in the woman's apartment and check this out though check this out because however the that the cops they received a tip that was someone was um dealing drugs inside the apartment so turns out is so when they arrived the apartment that they break down the door and next thing you know they broke in an apartment. And check this out. They found a body of a dead woman on the floor. Oh shoot. Sure. I mean she was she she was covered in some kind of rug or sheet. It turns out she got blood on her. Damn. So the the police so is they are revealed to be um narcotic narc, narcotics cop narcotic cops so he sees that one of the cops sees a dead body, and he tells his co-worker that he's going to report this to SVU. And his co is like, we're not giving the case to them. And then he said, don't worry. I I know I have a buddy of mine who works there. Right? So later on in the apartment, here comes Finn. He dressed up with, like, a fedora or he dressed up like a pimp, like he's like he's really iced tea and shit like that, though. I mean, he looked like he's just coming out, coming out from a date, something like that. I mean, look at the way he dressed, though. I mean, he looking like he like um, like a dream, like, like a not like a pimp, but he walking, he coming out, here with a fedora or something like that. Like I'm big, big pimping, I making a million dollars and shit like that. You know what I'm saying, though? Like he's like the actual rapper, and then he and then Finn, Ice, Team was like, this better be good. And it turns out that the police found him a dead body, something like that, though, it's like, um, turns out that he, and the, so a narcotic cop, he tells Finn that they received an anonymous tip from the, the lady in the apartment saying the woman was drug dealing and stuff like that, though, so, next he you knows that they came up here, they found a woman dead on the floor, and, turns out, turns out that, that she be, um, she was, she was like, selling weed and shit like that, though, and then Finn was like, So Laura Ashley, who dealt, was, it turns out that, um, the victim who was probably was raped and probably murdered in her own apartment, and maybe she was killed over drugs, something like that. And Finn was like, so Laura Ashley is a drug kingpin and shit like that, huh? Now there's an error because Laura Ashley, I, I just found out that Laura Ashley, right, had like, um... It is a fat. It's like um some kind of um Welsh fashion designer, something like that. Though passed away in the '80s, so it uh, looks like Finn made an error, man. But you know the victim, her her, for the victim's name was later revealed to be Susan O'Stryker. So turns out that she was dealing drugs, and you know the narcotics cop tells Finn that they that they they missed the whole tour. So he leads him to this room, and there's like maybe like maybe like dozens or probably at least a hundred of marijuana plants in that room, man. Oh shit, though. It's like she's growing some kind of business shit like that, like that. So Phil was like, Perp, Mr. Jackpot. (laughs) So it turns out that, that the perp, the perp probably raped a murdered woman but forgot where the damn where the real drug drugs are i mean i mean maybe i don't know maybe i have a feeling that she wasn't being she wasn't murdered over drugs shit like that i don't know what it is or weed or stuff like that but homegirl man she was growing a damn um marijuana a marijuana garden in that room man so i mean a, a a drug king like that, and I mean, she should be living and getting herself a mansion and shit like that though, but that was crazy and nowadays, you know, I mean I know someone who be doing, he be selling drugs, I ain't gonna say him no names cause I ain't no snitch, you know what I'm saying though, per Mr. Jackpot I bet. but I'm telling you about this though there have been news about, mar- about um, marijuana plants and something like that and I also heard on the news that recently they legalized marijuana in New Jersey and New York or something like that. So I see niggas out there, they coming out on the corners, you know, selling different types of marijuana, on, something like that, like for like $10, $15, $20. And they call it a different names, man. I mean, I'm not saying no names, but what I see, I see they they making business right now because they legalized marijuana and shit like that. You know what I'm saying? Um imagine Trey Tree trying to get high. And I had bad side, there's some side effects going on around here. So it's like um sometimes, you know, they got this damn drug K2. People be losing their minds over that shit. They be like bugging out, something like that, with the eyes popping out. They be acting like um Samuel Jackson from the movie Jungle Fever. You remember Gator? Yeah, I'm a a I'm a crackhead. Shit. Oh my goodness. So anyway, the marijuana plants are found in the apartment. So, okay, so we go for the opening credits, and um, and then we go to Act One. Benson and Stabler are there. They we're are back at the uh, we're back at the crime scene. It's daytime. Benson and Stabler are there, and uh, you know one of the crime scene units are there also. Turns out that uh, Perp stabbed the victim multiple times with. Um, with Some kind of a knife or something like, with a weapon, or something like that, and she was, and then, and, um, and then she, the victim was bashed in their head with the object. So, like I said, you know, the victim was later would be, to be would was later to be named Susan O'Striker. So, um, turns out that the, check this out, the perp actually puked after stabbing that woman, and stuff like that, though. So, and then they are, they realize that, um, that they, they that a neighbor a neighbor was um, called uh, the police on her ass, sort like that. She was dealing in the apartment. So, however, though in cops receiving a nomination, it turns out that um, that that, that, her, that her neighbor who reported in, she is revealed to be she revealed to be Mrs. Lezinski So Benson Stabler talked to Mrs. Lezinski at outside her apartment. Door, and she's just standing there telling about um she she knows she knows that she been going she had people coming in dealing drugs and stuff like that, but inside her apartment you got her son listening in and stuff like that, and then next thing you know, Mrs. Lizinski was like, oh, her son is they would be, be be Mark, right? So Mrs. Lizinski is talking to the detectives about what she was doing because she says she's happy, she thought anonymous Sydney something like that though. So that's, yeah, that's right. That's the lady that, 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 um, quote, put, yeah, snitched on, um, Susan and stuff like that, though. She She's standing there talking to the detectives, and her son is, is probably in there listening. And then she was like, "Bark, go in the bathroom, brush your teeth right now. And how did, how the hell did she know that she was, he, that, he, that he was right behind her? I mean, is she, does she have an eye in the back of her head? I mean, she's Cyclops from the X Men series. Come on, y'all. She. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I don't know. She felt a she felt presence or something like that. I mean, this one was crazy. I don't know what it is, though. And then, so Mrs. Lizinski Lys- talks to the. best able to tell him that they, she she sees the Easter parade. They have, like, random people knocking on the door every now and then, trying to get high shit like that, though. So, um, Hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, she's the one that tipped the, tipped the police about a drug deal in the apartment, right? So, meanwhile, we're at the morgue, and then uh, Finn is there, and and I think it's um, much and Finn is there talking to Dr. Warner, and Dr. Warner tells him that there's no sperm in the ejaculate. So, she brings out this thing that, um, much says this is probably very creative. And uh, Warner tells him that um he had this kind of addition of facility. I don't know what it is though. So she goes over to Susan's body and it turns out that um Susan had advanced ovarian cancer. And and so Phil was like, you know, so no no reason why she, she hadn't work. She hasn't worked though. And you know the the her neighbor who tipped the police off. She says that she Susan never worked a year in a day, something like that though. So that's a so that's the reason that um, and that's probably another reason. That's probably one reason, but another reason is that that um, when she had a ovarian, she had a another reason is when she Susan had ovarian cancer though. She had done some chemo. And she probably used um, the weed, you know, just to calm down to, to calm down the side effects and all that stuff, though. So there's a there's a reason why she never worked in a year because she was um going she was suffering from ovarian cancer and she decided to use the medical marijuana just to you know try to get try to keep calm the side effects and stuff like that. But at the same time, though, she was growing a business and stuff like that, though. So we at the squad room right now, and they discovered that uh, Susan had a, like like at least a hundred customers, and most of them would have their initials on the name on it. So, so, however, though they be thinking that she was having like a pot club or something like that. Oh, I don't know what it is though. So, um, so how all have to do? They had to go through the list and something like that though. So they noticed that um, the victim she died somewhere between nine a.m. to two p.m. and stuff like that though. And, um, and, it, and however, though, speaking about that, though, they want to, wants to go through a list of customers with their initials and all that stuff, though. So, so anyway, they're going to so say, anyway, so we at the 12 West 66th street and, um, that's a lie. It doesn't, it doesn't even look like 66th street. So they, so anyway, you know, but Benson Stabler, they talked to one of her, Susan customers who has to be named, I think it was um Cindy Kerbler or something like that though. I'm not sure. Wait, oh check this out though. It's oh it's Miss Big from Orange is a New Black. This woman was raped to stabbed 38 times. You don't want to help us in our investigation. That is very strange to me. Because it wasn't anyone in the club. Some of these people were debilitated from nausea from chemotherapy. The only thing that controls my tremors from MS is smoking once in a while. Why would we kill the woman who was helping us? She was helping the wrong person. Yeah, that happens to be actress uh, Alicia Reiner. And she played the character, Miss Natalie Figueroa, who probably ran in prison system for six seasons of Orange is the New Black. And check this out. She's a repeat offender because she appeared in um in uh, she appeared in different roles in the Law and Order universe. I mean, she appeared on uh, the regular law the regular Law and Order, and she also appeared in Criminal Intent. So she had like multiple roles in the Law and Order universe. So she's a repeat offender. And yo, check this out, so she played like um. Agent Kiki Reigns and the HBO drama The Deuce. You know, it's the you know, it's Do you do you have you do you remember watching The Deuce? It's about the sex industry in the nineteen seventies, stuff like that, where they have porn, prostitution, and pimps and all that stuff. Though, so I like that show, The Deuce. So, all right. and by the way, so as she appeared on, currently she appears as a agent as miss- in the um, series Mrs. Marvel. That's available on Hulu, stuff like that, though. So she plays uh Cindy Ker- Kerbler, the people on the list, and um, she's going around saying that she's not a suspect. I mean, she she went and, um, she she couldn't kill a woman that was helping them and all that stuff, though. So um, and but um, Stable was like, though, we're looking for a suspect. You know, he, she was stabbed, she was murdered thirty eight times, she was raped, so. And you don't know anything about that though. So, however though, um so anyway, um uh, Mrs. Fig I, I, or I say Cindy aka Mrs. Fig she tells him that um there was um that she knows um a girl named Becky and um she has a husband and he's so abusive and um he threatened Susan right like, one day because it turns out that Becky was dying from cancer or something like that though and Somehow, you know, um, and Becky's husband threatened Susan or something like that, though. So, uh, 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 I mean, so anyway, much of Finn talked to Becky's husband or, or something like that, and he, he's working right now. I mean, he t- probably delivers or something like that in his truck, though. And he would see And then, you know, I mean, somehow Becky's husband is not defensive. I mean, he got like an attitude, to stuff like that, though, because he said that um yeah, he he got he, he, go, he will get promoted violate his parole or something like that though so um he he knows that his um he probably threatened Susan and it turns out his, his wife had died though but he had nothing to do with um with uh, Susan's murder because Peggy's ex, Peggy's a widow or I should say he says that um he was working from 6 a.m. to 4 p.m. with no lunch break that's all I'm saying. So turns out that that he has an alibi. So he couldn't have done it though. Next thing you know is that they're trying to they're trying to see who's who else is on the list. Cause I mean when she she has like a she had people coming over or something like that, though she had like a membership list, right? Susan had a wim- membership list. All right, they spoke to Susan and then the ex-husband. And next thing you know that they're, they're gonna talk to Method Man and Red Man because they pie heads. And you seen the movie How High, right? I don't know, something like that. I don't know. Hmm. So, anyway, they're not they're not in the episode. I'm just kidding, though. They never speak to Re- Method Man. Re- Method Man really never spoke to Method Man and Red Man. Because, you know, they get to hide themselves. I mean, do you remember the music video How High? Look up in the sky. It's a bird in a plane. in a thing in the house. And then things change. How high? So I can kiss the sky. How high? A human fly. See, <laughs> next thing you know, I mean, yeah, anyway, you know, I'm just kidding, though. They never interviewed Me- Method Man or Red Man, you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, I remember they had a movie, How High, back in 2001. So, I mean, I'm just bugging out. So, anyway, we're at a restaurant right now, and the best and the stable are having their lunch. And um, so, somehow, you know, I mean, they, they just uh, disappointed because the list is going shorter and shorter because uh, they don't have a main suspect who killed Susan. However, Dr. Warner comes in and tells him that she tested the bomb from the lab though. And it turns out that that um she also says that that they, that the vomit was coming from roast beef, mozzarella cheese and bread and raisins and stuff like that though. But it turns out that they're actually actually part of the school lunch. And check this out though. Dr. Warner says that she has a daughter a daughter who was goes to middle school. And she tells him that they they have the exact same lunch on every middle school. Yeah, that's, that's right. The you know the mozzarella cheese, the roast beef, and the raisins, and all that stuff, though. And Stabler says there's no sperm in the ejaculate. And Benson replied, "We're looking for a kid. Oh my goodness! So I feel the kid was involved in this murder. Oh my goodness! Damn." Oh my goodness, that's so messed up. So, how could a kid do a gruesome crime like that? Like you stabbing the woman and then raping her multiple times, though. It's some crazy though. Damn. So the kid is labeled. Some uh, kid is labeled as a suspect and not the the um, Susan's people on the list who's going for weed though. So actually, you know, Method Man and Red Man are are exempt. <laughs> So, we're back at the squad room right now, and they talked to Dr. Wong, and, you know, Dr. Wong says that the boy has a history of fights in school, and he got some mental disease, and, sh- and he's social withdrawal and all that stuff, though. So, they mentioned something about Mrs. Um, uh, Mrs. um, Mrs. Lizinski's, Ms. Lizinski's, um son. He says his name is Mark, and he's, like, 13 years old, so they decided to talk to Mrs. Lizinski and stuff like that, though, so Benson talked talked to Mrs. Lazinski, and Mrs. Lazinski tells him that uh, he's been in school all day at the time of the murder. I mean, he couldn't even get involved or stuff like that, though. Oh, I forgot to mention Finn mentioned something about the kid probably saying he got Xbox and shit like that. Though, I mean, maybe he heard that a drug deal that woman was dealing next door, so he wanted to get some money. I don't know what it is though, but. Anyway, you know, Benson Sabler are talking to Mrs. Lazinski and, and they were thinking that her son was a suspect. And Lizinski said that he was in school most of the time at the at the time of the murder. So and then he was like played this basketball basketball practice. Next thing you know is that um her son Mark comes out of her bedroom, and Benson and Stabler see them and they want to talk to him. So Benson and Stabler are in Mark's room and Mark tells him that he got like an MP3 MP3 player from this kid by the name of um, Jeremy Bryce and Mark tells the detectives that uh, Mark is like um, he he, Mark tells him that the kid's name was Jeremy Bryce and um, he also tells him that Jeremy Bryce is just a geek and anything like that though. So I, and also he also tells him that um Jeremy is not that cool. Hmm. So it's something about I mean I don't know. I mean something something tells me that Mark was sold that um from Jeremy that uh there's that that there was this woman living in the apartment and she had like a lot of money stuff like that though. I don't know what it is, so damn. So Jeremy Bryce is is probably um is probably uh, another suspect So they go to find Jeremy outside of his apartment I mean it's it's the next day right now Benson Stabler um, they're outside Jeremy's apartment no one's answering The door it's raining outside So Benson was like Nobody's home so So Benson so Stabler Was like let's check The bus stop and then they See like kids lining up waiting for The bus so Benson and Stabler arrive at the bus stop and they were asking for Jeremy Bryce. And next thing you know is that there's this fat kid over there. He sees Benson Stabler, starts running. And however, though, Sabler gets him. So it turns out that that um they got Jer- they yeah, they they have they have what they're looking for, Jeremy Bryce, though. And they ask him to come to the station and all that stuff though. So we at the interrogation right now, and Jeremy is there with her mom, and um, Jerry's mother tells them that um he was in school all day, stuff like that though, and then Benson and Sable find out that during they checked the school, saying that he um, cut class after lunch, and then Jeremy's mother tells, asks, "You skipped school?" And Jeremy, you know, I mean, he's just scared. I mean, he don't know what, so so um olivia tells him that you broke into a woman's apartment and jerry was like i didn't do anything and stuff like that though and then saber shows him the fingerprints tells him that he was there at the apartment trying to rob and he, and he trying to um, rape the murdered woman and then jeremy said he didn't do nothing he said he don't know i mean i didn't do anything and anything like that though so and it's just like this that um Sabler has evidence Jeremy was at the business department based on his fingerprints and Jeremy was like, why are you picking on me? Sound like Charlie Brown and shit like that, you know what I'm saying? Shit. Oh my goodness. So outside the interrogation though and um, Cabot's there talking to Kragen and Cabot was going to plan on charges to Jeremy with um, second degree murder because he's 14 years old and he should be tried as an adult and stuff like that though. So however, Finn comes in and he just came from the lab and it turns out that, um, that the, he found, he checked it. It turns out that, um, Jeremy, Jeremy's, uh, the victim's blood was on, um uh, the victim's blood was on Jeremy's coat and Cap was like, well, my work here is done. And Finn was like, not quite. It turns out that the, he also checked the level last as saying that, um, the rapist is uh, type B, and Jeremy's a type O. So there was another person in the apartment. Oh my goodness! Another maybe another kid was there. I don't know something like that though. So they go over to the squad. They walk over to the squad room. Turns out that Jeremy, um, you know, Jeremy, they were going to move Jeremy to Family Corp. And then sometimes you know, Jeremy probably Jeremy probably had a partner, or something like that though. So there is something fishy. It's just Jeremy is a type O, and then somehow the, the rapist is just, um type B. So it turns out that um so Jeremy my son probably had a partner in crime, so they gotta figure this out. So Craig was like, let's go see who Jeremy's friends are. So we're at PS264, and um March and Finn talked to this principal Corrales in his office, and and then the principal tells him that Jeremy has this kind of dyslexia, something like that. And then he's been slipping with his grades and he's been struggling and all that stuff. So it's like, um, he 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 doesn't believe Jeremy would could do a murder, such and such and something like that, because he was having some development problems and all that or whatnot, though. So much was like, we're going to go and, um, we, we 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 want a list of the people who was absent at the day of a murder, her murder, and then we want to go for a list and go through the lockers. So we at the hallway, we at the hall, we outside the school hallway right now, and then they breaking in people's lockers. And check this out though, um, Munch goes in and finds a rotten sandwich, and Munch was like telling the principal, "If I find anything like a dead rat, though, I mean we're gonna shut the school down. I don't know what it is though." And Finn, right, he finds um, Susan's wallet and the weapon that killed her. And the principal was like, oh, that, oh, wait, wait a minute. That locker belongs to um, Zach, Zachary O'Connor. And, you know, as soon as at a time, you know, and the bells ring and people come out of the room. And all of a sudden that the Zach shows up. And then um, the principal says, we're going to go find we're gonna go find this Zachary, and then Jeremy shows up, and then Finn was like, "Looks like he found us." And Zach was like, "What are you doing to my locker?" And I recognize this kid before. I mean, that's um, that's that that same actor who um played uh, he um, I think I forgot this kid's name, but he appeared on season sixteen on uh, Law and Order SVU. And he played like a a suspect. He raped this porn star and then he got off. <laughs> yo, I can't believe it's the same guy, though. I mean, yo. So anyway, we're just, we're in the back of the squad room, it's act three. And um Sable tells him that Zachary O'Connor is twelve years old. And um and and then he and I is twelve years old. I mean, he lives with his parents and and he also tells him that Jeremy's been in interrogation for like eight, ten hours right now with his mom though. So they want to plan on interviewing the boys. Finn just got off the phone telling him that the land came back with three prints: one belonged to the victim, one unknown, and one for Jeremy. So, so they're trying to figure out to ball. They're trying to figure out if the, someone else is involved. The then Zachary's parents show up though. Or I could say Zach's parents showed up, though. And then they want to take him to a room, and they want to speak to to Zach. So they're going to take him to see her, their son and all that stuff, though. And so, okay, so um, we're in the um, interrogation room right now. And um, Finn is talking to Zach. And um, they ask him, where y'all get them... And he tells him, Zachary tells him that he, he, Finn asks him, "Does he know um, Jeremy?" And Zachary right away starts saying, "Jeremy, I don't like him. He's a bully." <laughs> and then so that's strange. I mean, he, he Zach, Zach says that he doesn't even know Jeremy. So Finn was like, "Well, where do you get the um where you get the um the wallet and the weapon stuff like that though." And Sack tells him that he finds cool things that people throw out, though. And Phil was like, uh, why did you kept this so long? And Sack was like, I was gonna turn him in. But he sounds so defensive and stuff like that, though. I mean, come on, come on though. So, however, though, meanwhile, the um Vincent Stable are talking to Jeremy and um and then they had mentioned something about his, they asked him, does he know Zach and stuff like that? And Jeremy says, Zach my best friend. He didn't do anything. And then why would then they ask him what they were doing in the apartment. He says, I don't know. I mean, he's so scared and stuff like that though. So, hey, hey and then next thing, you know, outside the box, you know, um, the interrogation, Dr. Wong is watching, um, Jeremy and Zach though. So, um, I, Dr Wong thinks that 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 um jeremy to go down something like that he's probably terrified, so he walks over to the other interrogation room where zach Zach is though and um he looks at uh, Zach and he Dr Wong thinks Zach is lying and Zach is lying though I mean and he's he telling like multiple stories Dr Wong sees that that, that Zach is involved oh <laughs> So, next thing you know is that here comes Detective Munch. He comes in with some more evidence and stuff like that, though. So, Munch brings in, um, the, um comes in to see Zach. Vin is there. And he shows him, like, uh, fingerprints and all that stuff like that, though. And Zachary defends, sat, and then next thing you know is that he found the weapon. He found, like, video cameras and a CD. And one was murder at Avenue C. And then Munch tells Zach, and the fingerprint shows that you touch something, though. Do you leave a fingerprint? And then all of a sudden, Zach says that Jeremy killed her. And then he went, and then next thing you know is that they have the cameras rolling. So a few minutes later, though, the texas come in, and then they speak to Jeremy, and they put in a videotape of Zachary. And then Zachary comes on tape last saying, Yo, Jeremy killed her, stabbed her, raped her, something like that. Jeremy and Je- and then, and then next thing you know is that, um, Sarah, he's, uh, Jeremy, I mean, Zach says everything about Zach. He say that he was going crazy. He panicked, he stabbed her, and he raped her. And then right away, Jeremy says that he's lying. He's lying. Oh, my goodness. And then he starts crying, breaking down, something like that, though. And then... I mean, that's a bull. some bullshit story. It said Jeremy witnessed Zach he Jeremy said that he witnessed sack stabbing her to death, though. And Jeremy didn't know about it. He was just standing there, shit, and scaring shit. You know what I'm saying? Shit. Oh, my goodness. However, outside the interrogation room, Kevin said that she would, she would remove Jeremy and send, send him to family court, though. So, um... That's what she's gonna plan on, on to do. Okay, so um, we so anyway um, we're in Cabot's office. So she gets a visit from um Miss Ada O'Connor. You know, it's you know Judith Light. You know Angela from Who's in Boston. So, however, though she doesn't even like the idea of moving, Ger- she doesn't even like the idea of moving Jeremy to Family Corp because. She knows that that he was guilty for breaking in the woman's apartment, and woman was murdered though, and and Doc O'Connor wanted um, and wanted him to get, get murdered too, get locked up, get like years in prison. I mean, he's he's a murderer, but Cabot doesn't believe that he did it though. She she believes that um, Zachary was involved in the murder. Jeremy Jeremy didn't do anything. So he figured that he might as well just go to the family court or whatever, something like that though. And then Cap cat and then ADA O'Connor was like, Jeremy knew from right from wrong, wrong, he made a choice. And then Cap was like, Went for the DA. And then she doesn't even like the idea of sending Jeremy game years in prison for a murder that he didn't commit though. And then O'Connor was like, Alright, I'll do it. And in, in other words, she's gonna step up as a, step up as a DA, a lawyer, or, or other words, you know, be like a, you know, be like a, be a defense attorney. And then before she leaves, she was like your second chair, hmm. and she leaves. So they are at Four right now, and the trial begins. You know, and then, and Cabot and O'Connor, they're going up the steps. They meet. Um, public defender Gina Bernardo and we have a who's that girl so who's the actress that's playing Gina Bernardo you can't possibly hold my client responsible for something it's impossible for him to be responsible for notification of affirmative defense not guilty by reason of mental disease or defect what defect is 14 year old brain yeah, yeah, yeah. That happens to be actress Ileana Douglas and she played um role as a songwriter in the movie Grace of My Heart. And that movie is loosely based on the uh, songwriter Carol King and she also appeared in the short-lived um sick, Fox sitcom called Action. This is with Jay Moore and this was like a short-lived short-lived sitcom where they, they be having a lot of bleep, well, a lot of the words bleep out though. In other words, they had some curse words. I mean, you could hear they all bleeped out though. But it was on for about several weeks, and then they pulled it off the air, something like that though. Okay, so um, so Miss D- Douglas, she's playing the, um, the public defender Gina Bernardo, right? And she's walking up the stairs in the cane, right outside the courthouse in that center street, though. And, um, she's talking to, um, Angela Bauer, who's the boss, you know, O'Donnelly. So, and first of all, I want to let you know, I made another error because I called, um, the character O'Donnelly O'Connor, something like that. So my bad, my bad. So I'm going to say, call I'm going to call, um, the character, um, D.A. O'Donnelly, Angela Bauer. So here comes, um, yeah, Gina Bernardo. She walking upstairs with the cane and tells Angela and he tells Angela Bauer, "Ask Angela Bauer, did uh, that the new DA demoted her stuff like that though?" And then Angela Bauer responded, "What happened? One of your repeat offenders assaulted you." And then she said that her co-worker accidentally hit her, something like that. So there's a lawsuit pending, though. So she's telling she's uh, so Gina. This is claiming that Jeremy Jeremy is responsible for his murder, and sometimes you know it has it has to be a so they have to figure out his fourteen year old brain, and you know, Gina doesn't even like the the fact that Jeremy has to be tried in as an adult for the murder and stuff like that because I, he he didn't do anything. Okay, so um, so anyway, we're inside the judge's off judge's office, and then I forgot there's the judge. He's the guy with the slick back hair and the glasses. I forgot the judge's name though, but um, however though, Gina claims that Jerry is responsible for the murders because because of his brain and he's like slowly developing and she also states that um some of these teenagers won't develop adult minds until their early 20s something like that because and you know Jeremy's just a teenager he's just developing real slowly he has um he is not alert what's right or what's wrong I mean who, who, who raises this kid anyway I mean yo I mean, is, is someone raising him the right way? Or is Jeremy's mother is so lazy, she don't have, she's so busy working, she don't have time to teach him, stuff like that, though? I don't know what it is. However, the judge says that everything should be heard in court, though. Okay, so we're on trial right now. So so um, Dr. Heyman is on the stand, and Dr. Heyman says that adults are, adults are prone to behavior in their teens, like showing the rages and stuff like that, though. And, you know, that, that was – um Gene, and then Gina talks to Dr. Heyman about the, the scientific studies about the adolescent brain and stuff like that, though. <clears throat> okay, we have Jeremy is on the stand, and um and next thing you know is that the, Jeremy's claiming that Sachary ordered him to commit those crimes. So Gina talks to, to Jeremy, and uh, she asks him certain questions, And Jerry responds like, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, in other words, Jeremy is not that intelligent. And he's only 14 years old. He just has, you know, he has his developmental skills. It turns out, um, Jeremy recalls what happened in the apartment. So he, he broke it in and, um, he was told that that the woman has money, stuff like that. And next thing he knows, that's like, um, somehow, you know, that um, Susan Stryker would surprise them, and then the next thing you know is that um and uh, Jeremy witnessed Zach being enraged and stuff like that though, and then he started beating on her, hitting her with an object, and he ordered him to get the knife. So and then Jeremy, I mean, I don't know what it is though. And then after this, you know, here because Angela Bauer comes on stand and she starts grilling Jeremy about and asking him questions is and what what is a knife? And Jeremy says to cut things. And the next thing you know is, I mean, Angela Bauer just goes on scene grilling Jeremy, breaking him down in court. And then, and then, you know, Angela Bauer knows that Jeremy, he, 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 knew, he knew right from wrong. I mean, she pushed him hard to the edge. He did that, And Jeremy started crying, saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh my goodness, yo. Oh shoot. And uh, it turns out that Angela Bauer knew Jeremy knew it was wrong. I mean, he should have thought about just running away or stopping him. But now nah, he, Jeremy, was like terrified. I mean, he didn't know what to do. I mean, he just stood there helplessly and watching Zachary kill, rape, and murder this woman. Like he ain't doing nothing. I mean, and then and they okay, Jer- Jeremy admitted Zach was yelling at him, yelling at him all the time. I mean, that's Zachary, I don't know what it is though. I mean, so anyway, I mean, you can't believe that Angela Bauer had to grill Angela Bauer. You <laughs> had to grill him like that. I mean, Tony Danzy would was like Angela. How could you? <laughs> Damn. I mean, he he just you know, Jeremy just made poor decisions, man. I mean, he's being he's like he being an accessory to murder. I mean, he broke in the apartment though, and. Now, anyway, we're outside the courthouse and, you know, Angela Bauer sitting in there and Cabot comes out and um, she t- and Angela tells him that I treat the kid like a damn 10-year-old and shit like that, though. I mean, and and, and then Cabot's like, you did your job. And then Angela Bauer was like, come on, stop it. You're trying to be like me right now, though. And so out where Angela Bauer stands up and tells Cabot, that he's gonna bring Jer- um, Zachary in as a rebuttal witness, and and she also and she also tells Cabot that you you're gonna be talking to Zachary. Okay, so sometime the next day, later on next time, sometime next day in the courthouse though, S- or Zach is on the stand right now, and Cabot starts questioning him and stuff like that though about who killed who, and she she asked him who killed Susan Stryker. And Zachary, right away, says Jeremy did it. Jeremy did it. And and then Kevin, like, I, I, and then Zach also claims that he's afraid of Jeremy. But then Kevin questions him saying, you afraid of Jeremy and stuff like that. I mean, he's trying to um, test him and all that stuff. And then all of a sudden, this happens. But I thought you were afraid, Zachary. I thought you were afraid of Jeremy no i wasn't and you were also afraid of that woman because she was going to call the police she was afraid of me and you wanted to show them both that you were a man and that's why you had sex well that was her fault because she wouldn't tell me where the money was jeremy was crying he wouldn't do anything so i had to do it if she had just told me where the money was i wouldn't have to have hurt her Oh, this little brat confessed himself to his own murder. (laughs) You can see the evil on his evilness in his him. He's like a damn demon, man. (laughs) Oh my goodness! He just snapped that cord. He just simply said, "Yo, this kid is a damn social path, man." I mean, he used him, Jeremy, and. He said he wasn't afraid, and and then Kevin brought up the vomit issue and stuff like that, and he said he wasn't afraid, and and then Kevin was like, "I thought you was afraid of Jeremy and stuff like that, though, and you was, af- and then the next thing you know is that, yeah, she Zachary says he was afraid of her, and then Kevin was says so you want to show Jeremy and um. And this so is striking that you're not afraid, of, and then he just snapped because he simply murdered, he killed her not just for weed, but over the money. I mean, he just wanted the he just wanted the freaking money, man. And and he, he and he says that if she told him what if she told him what money, he has, she wouldn't have hurt her. I mean, this kid is like a social I mean, he's going to jail for a long, long time, man. I mean, this is like a damn. Um, I mean listen, he's rich and he actually he, he acts like he's rich and he can get away with it. He's nothing but a damn little devil. Hey, get the hell out of here, you little little devil. Little brad. You you you, you, you a you sick son of a bitch. Okay, so we're at the correctional facility and Jeremy Dere his mother and Gina's there and Cabot tells him tells um Jeremy's mother that he's gonna get five to ten years. Cause you know, he um he participated in um, in uh, in breaking in a woman's apartment, and a woman was killed. Though, so he's um, he he is um he is responsible for he's like a you could say is like um, that's felony murder right there. I mean, he was he, he was, he's an accessory. So, Calvin suggests tell suggests to tell suggested to um Jeremy's mother that she has to take the deal. And Jerry's mother was like, no, 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 no. Jeremy is a good boy. I mean, it, you know, she already knows that the other boy confessed and all that stuff. And so he confessed and stuff like that. So I see what happened to him, though. So, however, though, Kevin says that um, with good behavior, Jeremy will be out in five years. But however, she's like, Jeremy's a good boy. He didn't do anything. And then Jerry's mother was like, no deal. And... However, though that doesn't sit well with Cabot because I mean the jury they he they're not gonna show any sympathy or stuff like that though. So okay, so we're at the courtroom right now. It's at the same time, and then the judge like, "How does the jury plead?" And then what? And then the people say, "We hear people that Jeremy Bryce is found guilty." And then the mother was like, "No!" I mean, she was devastated though. Started crying and all that stuff, and each juror they come out saying, "Get saying we're guilty." I mean, juror number one guilty, juror number two guilty, juror number three guilty, juror number four guilty. I mean, twelve jurors. I mean, Jeremy is guilty on all counts. So that means Jeremy is getting life in prison. Oh, that's messed up, man. It goes to show you that these two, two, two boys, though, I mean, they, they they're liable for responsible for murder, and it shows you that, in other words, two preteens prove that they could be they can be charged as adults for murder. So that's the, and that's the end of the episode. Okay, um, this uh this episode was inspired by the murder of. Um, former actress Jennifer Stahl. And she played uh, a dance a dancer in the movie danced Dancing. And then after that, um, she decided to retire from the acting and focus on her singing career. But on the side, though, she was dr- 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 dealing drugs on the side. So here's a story about, about at former actress Jennifer Stahl. That happened in 2001. Turns out that Jennifer Stahl was having company... And with them um, so, so having company until two men showed up at the door. Next thing you know, the guy started they, hit, biting them, broke in, biting, ordering them to go to the back, put him, ha- putting them, having them on the floor, tying with up tape, tape and they just shoot him. And Jerry was shot a couple of times, and she died hours later. And two, and a couple of other people who were in the apartment, though, they died also. And it turns out that the, um, the The thugs that got away with um, a lot of cash with the suitcase, and then um, and inside the apartment there was like um, marijuana and psychedelic mushrooms and all that stuff. Though, but um, however, though it was like a drug de- drug related shooting because it turns out that uh, Jefferson was um, selling weed for for highs like five three hundred dollars to six six hundred dollars. And the highest is like ten eighteen thousand dollars. I mean, you won't believe this. I mean, this former actress was doing drug dealing by the side to make ends meet, though. And um, and when and, and then just like uh, when um, that on the episode SVU when the neighbor who tipped the cops saying if you live that kind of lifestyle you ask for it. So, so what happened with Jennifer Stahl like that? She had like a couple other roles in the eighties and then she retired from acting and decided to focus on a singing career, like doing music. I mean, she set, she set up one of her rooms as a recording studio, but on the side, she was selling drugs, selling, she was making, making selling drugs and make ends meet. I mean, she was doing business as a drug dealer and that lifestyle that that will get you killed. But, we don't know what happened to the two assailants and stuff like that, though. I don't know what happened, but hey, it's crazy though. And if y'all see the movie Dirty Dancing, I mean, you can find Jennifer Stall. She might play an extra as a dancer or something like that, though. But hey, anyway, you know, I mean, that, you know, that's the story that inspired, That's the this that was a true life. That was a that was a true crime story that was inspired to that episode, right? So it happened in real life. So it's based on the two thousand one murder of former actress Jennifer Stahl, who was dealing drugs at the time, and it cost her her life. Now, I am so sorry. It's been had a good weekend. Weather's getting cool and stuff like that. And next thing you know, people give me pumpkins and pumpkin donuts and pumpkin pies and all that stuff, though. So hopefully, um, I hope you had a good time and stuff like that. Though, I mean. Nothing much to say, but all I say is just keep Detective Rollins and don't treat Rollins and Carissa like like they nothing. Alright? So this is it. Alright, thank you for your taking for listening. And I'll be back next week to a new episode. And you can hear a Twisted, a Law and Order SVU podcast on Spotify, Anchor FM, WordPress, Radio Public, et cetera, et cetera. And our shows are on every Monday, so like and subscribe. And uh, if you're an SU fan, like and subscribe, all right? Now, thank you for listening. This is BD Rose. I'm out.